Hi, and welcome to Compliance Byte, episode four. This time round, we're going to talk about the IFPR, the Investment Firm's Prudential Regulations. I'm really happy to have with us Philip Buckingham, Managing Director of Lavin, formerly at MPAC, two great consulting groups, who's had more than 40 years in the financial services industry, the last 12 of which he's been advising clients and consulting. In his past life, he was head of risk, a bond originator, and an FX dealer, so extremely well-placed to understand the needs of our clients and explain such convoluted topics such as the IFPR. Welcome, Philip. Thank you. Hello. Going with the IFPR and giving us a little bit of context, can you explain what it is and when it is due to come into force? Of course. Thank you, Jerome. The the context around IFPR is that uh, since the introduction of the EU CRR in 2013, which was basically designed for banks, um, there has been a feeling amongst regulators around Europe that uh, it is a one-size-fits-all model, which does not really uh, act appropriately for small and medium-sized investment firms. Therefore, in the space of eight years, it has, uh, it has taken them to redesign uh, the regulatory regime And obviously, uh, we have a European set of regulations that are coming in next month. But in the light of Brexit, the UK has decided to implement the new regime with effect from the 1st of January next year. So quite a few things there for our clients to absorb and a lot of new acronyms. With this in mind, can you explain the principal areas arising from IFPR, which firms should need to focus on and perhaps distinguish, as you were talking about the broader market with banks on capital requirements, the perhaps the small and medium-sized segment of the market, focusing on them and their needs for the IFPR? Of course. Um, according to the FCA, they think something like 80% of firms are under the IFPR will be designated as small and non-interconnected. Uh, and they, uh, God knows why they've uh, created such a convoluted uh, title for such an easy concept. Um, but the, the real point about that is that it differentiates between those firms that will be small and non-interconnected, i.e. SNI firms, and non-SNI firms, which are the the larger firms, which obviously will only uh, constitute something like 20% of the 3,000 firms that the investment firms that the FCA is regulating uh, in the MIFID space. We have to remember that uh, the new regime will only capture uh, firms that are designated as UK MIFID firms, and uh, that will capture a broader church than the existing regimes, which are the BIPRU, the IFPRU, and uh, other regimes such as exempt CAD, um, which until now have had a much lighter regulatory touch. 
So with this in mind, if I am a an investment firm, potentially CAD exempt, and I'm the compliance officer, what should I be thinking about or what should I be concerned about? Um, you need to be uh, thinking about how the new regime is going to uh, affect your regulatory obligations. And there are some fairly uh, simple examples because uh, everything is going to be Part 4A permission-based. And uh, as a result, um, if you are an exempt CAD, uh, unless you are a large exempt CAD firm whereby your balance sheet is uh, more than £100 million in terms of asset size, or uh, your annual gross income is greater than 30 million, you will automatically be a, an SNI. That means that you will continue to have a lighter touch than for those within non-SNI, but, uh, but it does mean that you're gonna have to think about things that previously you didn't think about, such as uh, remuneration, consolidation, um, and uh, the the other methodology by which you will calculate your own funds requirements going forwards, um, which will change compared to what it is now. Uh, this is a function of the fact that, uh, first of all, everything that was in euros is going to be converted to sterling in terms of uh, your minimum requirement whereas previously you would have had a minimum requirement of 50,000 euros, that will become 50,000 sterling and grow to 75,000 sterling over a five-year transition period, for example. Um, the other thing is that uh, the FCA is introducing a new methodology to calculate your fixed overhead requirement which is one of the other methods by which your own funds requirement will be calculated. Thanks for that. You, you just uh, you said, so there's a new methodology to calculate the fixed overhead requirements, which will change from how people have done it. You've said that most firms that perhaps hadn't had uh, in the CAD exempt world a remuneration code might now need to look at that. And you also indicated that for many firms, um, looking at their capital requirements, they might uh, also be increased over a five-year period, which is the period for which the FCA is allowing everyone to comply, so quite a long period, which is nice, uh, but would increase to £75,000, which is quite a substantial increase. The The changes there are quite uh, quite relevant, therefore. You also mentioned that you might be affected if you're in a large group, so that's something else that uh, clients should take into account. And do you expect these various parts um, to be quite time-consuming for compliance officers to uh, adopt? And if the five-year uh, period of uh, adoption seems so long, does it mean that the FCA is letting people not do anything for a year or two years and more? No, that is not the case. The, the only part of it where there is this transitional or regime is the increase in your uh, minimum capital requirement from £50,000 to £75,000. The calculation methodology will be adopted from the date on which uh, MIFID-PRO, the regime, will be implemented. Um, 
We've had two out of three uh, consultation papers from the FCA already. Um, the third will come out at some point in uh, towards the end of quarter three. But we certainly understand the direction of travel from the uh, consultation papers, even though we haven't had the feedback from those from the FCA as yet. Yes, I understand the last one was December, and there's as yet no comeback from the FCA on that. Right, so so does that mean that for, for clients, again, there's a sense that perhaps with so many things yet to come, January 2022 uh, is a deadline on which they should focus or, or not so much? What would be your views on that? We have to bear in mind that uh, there is a lot of ground to cover and some of that ground is going to be new for many firms. Uh, and we have estimated that uh, there is going to be something like 80% uh, of clients who will have significant changes to uh, the way either they calculate uh, their own funds requirements or uh, in terms of some of the systems and controls uh, consequences of the implementation of IFPR on them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you don't lose anything by starting to look at this now, although you shouldn't expect any enforcement or any harsh enforcement anyways in the next 12 months. With this in mind, um, looking at uh, that we're already in June, so a few months before the, the year end to go, but there's the summer in between. What should firms be asking themselves at this point? The key thing that people need to understand is uh, which of the two uh, new categories they, uh, they will fall into on implementation of IFPR. And as a result, what the consequences of each of those two uh, categories uh, will be on A, on their systems and controls and B, more particularly uh, about their uh, minimum capital requirements uh, going forward to under the new prudential rules. The, the important, uh, another important area uh, that they need to think about is uh, structurally, because uh, consolidation rules uh, are going to change from a prudential point of view, and uh, much more is going to be captured under the new rules within a consolidation group than potentially was the case in the past. So uh, firms need to think about that. They need to think about the new remuneration rules which uh, as long as they are uh, a relatively small firm will could not prove to be particularly onerous, but uh, in certain circumstances will affect them significantly. Uh, and the other area is obviously, uh, as has been said before, the calculation of their uh, capital going forwards and the substitution of the ICAP for the IPARA process. Yeah, that sounds uh, quite important actually. And I suspect in which case, if you are in that 
mid-sized category, which is, according to the FCA, as you said, 80% of the market, there are quite a few changes to be made. Not least of all, all your compliance policies need to be adapted. Um, but it's possibly uh, a much better place to be. And this K-Factor, an amazing name, um, not sure why it was called the K-Factor. Maybe uh, they've been watching too much of the X-Factor. But it sounds to me like it is a three-pronged um, assessment for those top-end firms, but which is not that dissimilar to the form of risk assessment they would have done before. Is that correct? Yes. The... Uh... What we need to remember is, as we said earlier, that the new prudential measures are supposed to simplify life for investment firms. However, uh, for those firms which will not be uh, categorized as small and non-interconnected firms, uh, they will face the requirement to uh, calculate what are called K-factors, or K risk factors. Now these will substitute many of the, the, the uh, capital requirements that currently go to make up their own funds, total own funds requirements. And uh, the, key, the key part for that for firms will be to source uh, that, in, that information and to be in a position from the 1st of January, uh, sorry, from the 1st of December this year um, as to uh, where that information comes from and to be able to uh, have a look back at uh, previous statistics in terms of their uh, activities which go up to make the, uh, the calculation of these K-factors. So again, um, specific, detailed, but hopefully not for everybody. So perhaps one last question. At this stage, Following the uh, next consultation paper and, and, and other indications and responses from the FCA, do you expect um, anything to change from where we are today? Yes, we do. Um, the, the point is that uh, the FCA has said that there are going to be three consultation papers. We've already had two. Um, but the issue is that we have not had uh, any feedback from the FCA subsequent to uh, the closing date of either of the first two. As a result, the window is closing on the ability of the FCA to implement IFDR by the 31st of December. We are hearing uh, voices that the FCA may well adopt the same approach as they have done for SMCR, whereby uh, firms may have up to 12 months grace to implement uh, the IFDR as a whole. But we also remain, need to remember that there will be transitional arrangements between many of the firms. Really interesting. And, and I guess uh, a little bit of a shame that Brexit in this particular case is, is proving not to provide a benefit. But as many have often forgotten, um, the Brits were very good at compliance and have often been uh, leaders within Europe in, re in terms of, of regulation. And I often remind our clients that SMCR, for example, does not exist in Europe but only exists in, in the UK. So not surprising there. Hopefully, um, from the consultation, perhaps 
some adaptations that make it less burdensome, but quite something uh, to look forward to, so best to get in touch if you've got any questions. Well, I think this is a fantastic interview. Thank you so much, Philip, for your time and, and your deep knowledge. If you want to find out more about anything on the IFPR, please uh, go and check out our content. There will be a website link at the bottom of the screen. And if you'd like to share your knowledge um, on an episode of Compliance Bites, please do reach out and email us at info at Thank you and have a great day. <laughs>